VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And we thank you for joining us today here on Crosstalk, coming your way from VCY America. Ladies and gentlemen, many questions continue to swirl regarding the COVID shot and whether vaccine manufacturers and even the government have been straightforward with the American people. It's now a regular occurrence to hear about teens and 20-somethings that are dying suddenly with myocarditis or cardiac arrest. Many are questioning the use of mRNA vaccines, even as the Florida Surgeon General has issued a health alert on mRNA COVID-19 vaccine safety. And there's great concern that the CDC is adding COVID shots to the recommended vaccine schedule for children and adults. Well, sorting things out for us today, we welcome back Barbara Lowe Fisher, president of the National Vaccine Information Center. They're a nonprofit charity co-founded with parents of DPT vaccine-injured children in 1982. They're a national grassroots movement and public information campaign to institute vaccine safety reforms and inform consent protections in the public health system. She has researched, analyzed, and publicly articulated the major issues involving the science, the policy, law, ethics, and, and also the politics of vaccination to become one of the world's leading non-medical consumer advocacy experts on the subject. Barbara, welcome back here to Crosstalk. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, Barbara, the first COVID shot was given December 14th, 2020, and the narrative given then continues on, all is well, it is safe. We were even told by President Biden, if you recall, if you get the shot, you cannot get COVID. Well, we know that's not the case, but uh, I'd like to ask you, Barbara, what have we learned about this shot since it was first administered some 27 months ago? Well, almost immediately after it was uh, given an emergency use authorization, I'm talking particularly about the mRNA COVID vaccines because the mRNA COVID technology is the type of technology that's never been used before in vaccines. And it was these vaccines that Pfizer and Moderna uh, are are marketing were under an EUA uh, that was given in in 2020 uh, and is still under an EUA for children, young children. They have still not officially licensed the mRNA vaccines for young children, yet millions of children are getting the vaccine. Um, These vaccines, almost immediately, when they started to be used, we had reports coming in to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, and certainly reports coming in, uh, the media were were, were publishing reports, that this was a very reactive vaccine. The pre-licensure or the pre-EUA clinical trials showed that the majority of people who got the the mRNA vaccines were having significant reactions, whether they were, quote, moderate, such as uh, extreme fatigue, uh, fever, uh, vomiting, diarrhea, uh, uh, body aches, uh, as if you had the flu, uh, all the way through to blood disorders, uh, myocarditis, these kinds of things. We, We have known now that this is the most reactive vaccine that has ever been put on the U.S. market. And we just, just this last week, the ACIP committee of the CDC, you know, added uh, the, the vaccine to the recommended childhood vaccine mm-hmm. schedule. It's the only vaccine in the history of the United States that has ever been added to the schedule under an EUA for young children. And friends, we're going to unfold this further. Barbara, you just had an article on your website posted in February that some 1,148 people living in New Brunswick, Canada, suffered an adverse reaction after receiving the COVID-19 shot between December 14th of 2020, January 14th of 23. I was just on the various COVID vaccine adverse event reporting site just before coming in the studio here. They're reporting that through February 17th of 2023, there have been more than 1.5 million adverse events reported to them. Um, This is astounding. Uh, Nearly uh, 35,000 deaths. Uh, and I think I just heard you say to you, there's never been a vaccine administered in our country that even matches or, or exceeds the number of adverse events as, as the COVID shot. Never. Uh, the vaccine adverse event reporting system was a safety provision that was created under the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986. It was one of the safety provisions that our organization, the co-founders of the National Vaccine Information Center, uh, insisted that Congress 
uh, approve in that legislation. We wanted a centralized vaccine epidemic reporting system. It became operational in 1990. And so far, for all vaccines administered, it, it, it is, uh, uh, it's about 2.4 million adverse events have been reported. Well, for COVID vaccine, which is largely the mRNA vaccines that Pfizer and Moderna produce, uh, that is what you said, that the, the, the reports are 1.5 million adverse events associated with those vaccines. That means over half of all events ever reported to the VAERS system are for the COVID vaccine. It is hands down the most reactive vaccine that has ever been put on the U.S. market. And, and yet we see again and again federal health officials stonewalling about how many serious adverse events, and I'm talking heart inflammation, brain inflammation, inflammation of different organs in the body, uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome. So you've got, a, you've got this immune and brain dysfunction that's occurring after mRNA vaccines are given. There are outstanding questions about fertility, whether there has been an impact on fertility. Certainly we see these reports coming in on women whose periods are are changing, menopausal women who are starting to bleed again. Uh, we don't know what the long-term effects are on brain and immune system dysfunction after this shot because it was life, it was approved under an EUA with literally about eight to nine months of testing. That's all they did. And you cannot put a vaccine on the market without long-term uh, study mm-hmm. to find out what effect it has on brain and immune system dysfunction. You know, it's been reported recently, uh, internal emails at the CDC indicating they knew about a link between the COVID shot and myocarditis as early as of May of 2021. That's rather troubling. Oh, they did. That's exactly right. And yet you have officials denying that there were signals when more and more evidence is being published. And I'll tell you a publication that's doing an incredible job. Epoch Times mm-hmm. is doing an incredible job investigating a lot of these reports that are being denied by the federal health officials. And, you know, I really feel that there has to be an investigation by Congress into exactly what has happened, not just on the origins of COVID, because we now know that there's evidence that, yes, this was likely the SARS-CoV-2 virus likely was was escaped from a lab, a biohazard lab, a lab with a very high, you know, supposedly high security mm-hmm. so that, you know, the, the, the research that they're doing, including gain-of-function research to try to make these microbes more lethal. Uh, some pe- people say, oh, it's, it's bioweapons research. I don't know exactly what it is. I just know that there are scientists in biohazard labs in the U.S., in China, in a lot of parts of the world who are doing this kind of research on microbes. And if those, if those, those experiments and those, those microbes, those mutated microbes get out of those labs, well, you know, you can have pandemics. And that's apparently what has happened. This Wuhan lab, uh, in, in China apparently was working on, uh, some of these uh, experiments and it looks as if this SARS-CoV-2 virus did get out of that lab. And it looks as if the COVID, or rather the SARS-CoV-2 virus, was circulating far before they say it was circulating, that it was in likely the fall of 2019. Uh, and they're saying, well, it was only identified in late December of 2019. Well, I know that I had COVID. I had, I was one of the, I had COVID in December of 2019. Hmm. And I, I was left with long COVID until I was, I, I was able to get with a functional medicine doctor who prescribed what was being denied as being efficacious. I, I took a, a, a protocol with ivermectin, vitamins, and supplements, and I was able to get through and, and get rid of long COVID. Hmm. Uh, but, and yet there was, you know, what was, I thought was so sad when this pandemic was unfolding is that there were doctors who were trying to suggest alternative protocols because we, there basically were no protocols except for ventilators for really seriously ill people. And now we know from the studies that, that the use of those ventilators inappropriately with some people caused a lot of deaths in hospitals. But there was really literally nothing 
that had been that was being recommended by public health officials, and yet you had doctors out there who were developing protocols that were uh, that they felt worked, and they were blocked. Remdesivir, they were actively you know, blocked. Remdesivir was one of the pro- protocols that were coming from from government sources. Say this is standard procedure to use remdesivir. Right, and yet if people who had good information on ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, on uh, vitamin D, C, uh, you know, the B vitamins, I mean, you know, the ways that you, licensed, licensed drugs like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, plus the supplements and the mm-hmm. vitamins and minerals, they yeah. did not want that those used. How many people's lives could have been saved? How many people could have gotten through a bout with COVID? But they were blocked. And one of the things that needs to be investigated and looked into is the EUA, the Emergency Use Authorization, was awarded because there were no, to these drug companies for these fast track vaccines. There were no approved drugs or alternatives, right? So they put all of their they put all of their eggs in the vaccine basket because they said, well, you know, we have to fast track this because there's no way to treat COVID. Well, presumably there might have been ways to treat COVID if they allowed some of these doctors to go forward with these protocols. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the the Epoch Times here just a bit ago, and uh, they I saw a recent story that they did that the FDA has changed the end date of a study that they required Pfizer to conduct on the, the safety of the vaccine. It was to be completed by June 30th of last year, 2022, with Pfizer submitting a final report then by December 31st. But after the deadline passed, they report that the FDA quietly changed the end date now to June 30th of 2023. I mean, many people want to know what's going on here. Well, you know, you're talking stonewalling. I mean, this is stonewalling. Uh, there is enough evidence that this is the most reactive vaccine that we've ever used. And and as we all know, there was a time when, when people couldn't uh, hold a job without getting the vaccine. There, were, there, there are still problems with people being pressured to get vaccinated or not be able to participate mm-hmm. in society. Right. And it seems to me that it is it is irresponsible and very dangerous to be forwarding a product that has not been adequately studied. It was not adequately studied before the emergency use authorization was given. It has not been adequately studied since. And to move the, the, the goalpost and not get this evidence for safety and, and, and efficacy out there in, in, in the hands of the U.S. public is absolutely unconscionable. That's why there needs to be a congressional investigation. Friends, you're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Barbara Lowe Fisher is with us today. And indeed, as we uh, be taking a break here in just a few seconds, we're going to come back. And uh, indeed, one of the things we find is that the CDC has recommended COVID shots be added to the uh, recommended vaccine schedule for for children, for, for babies and adults. So we'll be getting into that uh, further here in just a bit, as well as a warning coming from the Florida Surgeon General in regard to the use of the uh, mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. We'll be back in just one minute. This is Crosstalk coming your way from the VCY America Network. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, geologist and president of the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, has life been found on meteorites? No, it hasn't, Chris, even though this fairy tale is continually repeated by my evolutionary colleagues. Microscopic studies of certain meteorites has led them to claim that they have seen hints of past microbial life. But other scientists have studied the same samples and are absolutely convinced that these are really just inorganic crystals or compounds. It's hard to overcome some of these stories once they hit the mainstream press and are repeated over and over again. But the fact is, life has not been found anywhere but on planet Earth, and it's here in abundance, just like we would expect from the Back to Genesis Truth of Creation. If you want to know more about the creation evolution issue, visit us on the web at www.icr.org. Back to Genesis is a production of the Institute for Creation Research. I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in. 
Barbara Lowe Fisher with us today on Crosstalk. She is the president of the National Vaccine Information Center, their website, nvic.org, nvic.org. But they also monitor legislation that is going on in states across the nation and in uh, the federal uh, government as well in Congress. And uh, you can stay uh, informed uh, and find out what's on your state when you go through their portal, nvicadvocacy.org, to find out what's going on in your specific state. That's nvicadvocacy.org. Uh, Barbara, the, the Florida Surgeon General, Joseph Latipo, has issued a health alert on the mRNA COVID-19 vaccine, indicating that there have been a, he calls it a 4,400% increase in reports of life-threatening conditions in Florida since the rollout of the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines. Shocking, I mean, that he's come forth and actually giving a warning regarding the mRNA vaccine. Yeah, I think it's an excellent analysis, and I think it shows what can be done when state health departments really want to take the data that they have in their own states and analyze it with regard to how reactive this vaccine is. Uh, so, it, you know, congratulations to him for, for being proactive on that. Um, the other thing that's very worrisome is this all-cause mortality increase, not just in the United States, but in other countries who have highly vaccinated populations. And certainly our, our population is very highly vaccinated with COVID vaccine. About 80% uh, of, of the country has gotten uh, at least one COVID shot. Uh, for the elderly, for people over 65, it's a shocking, I think it's like 97 or 8%. So, you know, you have a very highly vaccinated, now not in the young children, the parents, by and large, a lot of parents in this country are just saying no to this mRNA vaccine. But I, I would say that if you looked at the world and the, the uptake of the vaccine in different parts of the world, you're going to see the United States has a, has a very high vaccination rate with this vaccine. And I think I'm going to predict that what we're going to be seeing is a lot of chronic disease and disability, increases in heart disease, in um, uh, the uh, brain dysfunction. Uh, we, we just, like I said, it has not been studied well enough. And, and unfortunately, I think we're going to pay, we're going to see the price we've paid in the future. Uh- so as a result, does it shock you then that, that the CDC has, has updated their, recommenda- their you know, recommendations here, the vaccine schedules for children, adolescents, and adults to include the COVID-19 shots? I mean, they're telling, you know, in the recommendations to give children six months to four years old the initial series of two doses of the shot followed by a third dose of the, uh, the, the bivalent uh, um, a booster shot. Those 12 to 18 have similar schedules, the adults as well should be shocking, I mean, in light of all that's going on and the lack of information available. Absolutely irresponsible. There should be no vaccine that's put on the, the, the schedule that is not officially licensed. Uh, how can you possibly put a, a vaccine that has not gone through all of the, uh, all of the, jump through all the hoops that are normally in place? I mean, usually it takes five to ten years to create and test and go through the licensing process for a vaccine. And we've seen this vaccine went through that process in nine months. How can you, and, and, and you still, and they, the FDA has still not licensed. Yeah, and not th- 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 this is this is a very important point. The COVID shot, you know, this, this, what they're calling the COVID vaccine um, that that is out there, the, you, you just said it's not officially licensed by the FDA? Not for the children, not for young children. For adults, it has been licensed mm-hmm. for adults, but not for young children. And this this schedule, this childhood schedule, which the the, the CDC has, uh, goes uh, from the you know the infants uh, all the way up through age mm-hmm. eighteen. But for and so for the teenagers, yes, it's been licensed, but not for the young children. How can you put a vaccine on the early childhood vaccine schedule that has not been licensed? That's a great question, and and I, I guess so. That's still under the emergency use authorization. Correct. And is is there any culpability to the, the to the manufacturers of these these shots? No, because Congress 
in the beginning of the pandemic, indemnified the manufacturers for all harm and anyone who gives the shots for, from all harm. They, they, they cannot be sued in civil court. The only thing you can do is if you've been hurt by the COVID vaccine, your child or an adult, is, is uh, applied to the uh, a compensation program that's for a special compensation program for countermeasures. That's different from the vaccine injury compensation program that was set up under the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act as an alternative to a lawsuit in 1986. This, this one that was approved by Congress in 2020 for COVID vaccines uh, completely indemnifies all those who produce the vaccine, sell the vaccine, and those who give the vaccine. Um, I find it also interesting that the FDA has been refusing to answer uh, the, uh, the, the uh, questions that are coming from GOP House members about uh, tracking reasons why Americans are turning down the COVID shots. They, they do not want to expose this information. Well, again, I think, I think this is a fiasco. I think what has happened, the, 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 pan, the response to this pandemic has been a failure all across the board because the the policy that was put in place, the shutdown of our society, the lockdown, the, the forced masking, the, the, uh, the, the restrictions on movement, the restrictions on civil liberties, um, has had a, a devastating effect on our economy. Um, the $2 trillion bailout plan that was signed, the CARES Act that was signed in, I think it was 2020, 2020, they had to do that because these businesses were all shuttered and people were unemployed because the public health officials basically convinced the politicians that we had to lock down our society. And almost every state in some form or another did that. Mm-hmm. Some states were more strict than others. California, New York, Illinois, those states were very, very strict. We had a case here in Florida where the governor uh locked down for a while, but then was one of the first, if not the first, to lift the restrictions so that business could flourish, so people could go back to work. So if you just look at the policies that were put in place as a response to this pandemic, um, from an economic and a social and educational, I mean, schools closed in every state. We had children now, they know, had been delayed in terms of their educate their their development, their edu- you know educational, they're they're lagging behind other children who didn't miss a year of in in uh, school uh, education. Mm-hmm. We have mental health problems, but but that aside from that, the response in terms of not uh, putting an emphasis on ways that people could get through COVID without complications versus saying everybody's got to lock down until the vaccine comes, and then not testing the vaccine properly, not finding out who high-risk people are, people who can't get through the process of taking COVID vaccine without having heart inflammation or brain inflammation or something else happened in their body, uh, to not have that information, and then to make the vaccine mandatory for employment, you know, and that kind of thing is just... It's just been a fail. I'm sorry. They get a big F for this. Yeah. You know, their report cards. Indeed. And, I mean, now we have a new national emergency, and that's the shortage of health care staff. I mean, from those who re- refuse to take the shot, uh, we know that we're having a shortage uh, take place in uh, public safety issues and a number of uh, police officers, law enforcement that would not be involved in, in taking this. So we, got, uh, we have shortages in our military uh, as a result of this. And we're going to see things yet. That, that, you know, the fallout of this has not been fully felt at this point. It hasn't been. It hasn't been. And we have no idea what has happened to the biological integrity of our population as a result of the majority having taken this COVID vaccine, the most reactive vaccine that has ever been put on the market here in this country. And so for the government and for, for medical trade, for any of them to be stonewalling and dragging their feet on, on finally finding out what the price is that's been paid is unconscionable. We have to do something now because if, if indeed the health of our society 
has been lessened by this failed response to a pandemic. We need to know, we need to learn from what has happened, and we need to certainly do better next time. But we need to find ways to help these people, people who are sick. Yeah. You know, I, I saw, too, there's been just a, such a shocking difference in the escalation of uh, uh, miscarriages and stillbirths after the COVID jab compared to, like, the, the, the flu shot. That's right. There are continuing persistent re- reports of miscarriages, stillbirths. Uh, there, are pro- there are reports of, of, of women having trouble getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. As I said before, there are reports of uh, menstrual in- irregularities. We don't know to the extent that this is going to impact fertility. Uh, and this vaccine, as I said before, is a new technology this mRNA technology, this mRNA is being delivered. Uh, it's coated in nano, uh, lipid nanoparticles. These lipid nanoparticles on their own have been shown to be highly inflammatory. So what this vaccine does is it, it, it stimulates a hyper-inflammatory response in the body. Some people cannot resolve that inflammation. It also, these nanoparticles are delivering this mRNA into different cells of your body, right, different organs of your body. We don't know whether or not uh, it's, they're staying there. You know, they, at first they said, oh, the mRNA it does not remain in the body. The synthetic mRNA does not remain in the body. Now the science is showing it does remain in the body for at least several weeks, and they don't really know. Mm-hmm. So, again, you go, it goes back to the science. When policy precedes science, the outcome can be very bad. Yes. And I think that, uh, that unfortunately, all of us are going to have to take a step back and not give so much power and authority and deference to people who are only human beings. They're not, you know, doctors and scientists are not perfect. <laughs> They're not infallible. They make mistakes. And sometimes they don't do their job. And, and yet I feel like we have been um, conditioned to believe that we can't criticize uh, science and mm-hmm. medicine or doctors and scientists. And they're only, they're just like us. <laughs> they're, they just decided that that's what they wanted to be in life. And so I think we need to take, I really think that we need to have an investigation and hold accountable people who made decisions that have had some pretty serious effects on the rest of us. Friends, I I just want to call to your attention what Barbara just stated. I I received a press release from Liberty Council, recent study, this is February 24th, 2023, a recent study in Denmark using a cohort of recovered hepatitis C patients found that mRNA from Pfizer and Moderna circulates in the blood for 28 days after injection. According to Dr. Peter McCullough, internist, cardiologist, and epidemiologist, vaccine, vaccine should be in the body only a few days as immunity is being generated, having foreign genetic code in the form of synthetic RNA loaded on lipid nanoparticles with a, a, a PEG in the bloodstream for a month is an eerie reality with many implications. We'll be back in just one minute. Barbara Lowe Fisher with us today from the National Vaccine Information Center. Friends, start formulating the questions uh, that you would like to ask. We'll be opening phone lines in a short time. We'll be back in one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk. VCY America is making available Ray Comfort's DVD that is causing evolutionists and atheists around the world to become unglued. Evolution vs. God is a fast-moving 35-minute DVD in which Ray Comfort confronts evolutionists with a series of questions that leave them stumped and speechless about a belief system that lacks credible answers to the origins of the earth and mankind. You can obtain one DVD of Evolution vs. God for a donation of $5, five copies for a donation of $18, or ten copies for a donation of $25 by calling 1-800-729-9829. Evolution vs. God is shaking the foundation of evolutionary faith. That's one copy for a donation of $5, five copies for a donation of $18, or ten copies for a donation of $25. Simply call VCY America at 1-800-729-9829 
or on the web at vcyamerica.org. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, the COVID shots have been added to the Centers for Disease Control's recommended vaccine schedule, starting with children and uh, going on through teens and adults as well. Barbara Lowe Fisher with us today from the National Vaccine Information Center, NVIC.org, and also NVICadvocacy.org. Barbara, in light of all this, and there's so much more I know we could unfold, but we have to be alert as well to what's going on on a worldwide level right now because the World Health Organization has actually been meeting over several days in order to bring about this, this, like a global pandemic treaty of which we have our president of the United States, Joe Biden, who's wanting to surrender our sovereignty so that whenever a so-called health emergency or pandemic unfolds, no longer would we be able to be, you know, self-controlling uh, c- and, and, and uh, uh, you know, make those self-determination, but we would surrender this to the World Health Organization that would do a one-size-fits-all saying, no, you must receive this shot. You will be forced to do this. You will be forced to have a vaccination certificates, not on the list goes. Uh, we got to be mindful of what's going on and the importance of really speaking out to our senators and congressmen on this issue. Well, I believe this was part of the plan from the very beginning on the pandemic response. Uh, the pandemic response uh, to this coronavirus uh, was really orchestrated uh, at the at the United Nations and the World Health Organization um, and the major governments, uh, certainly the U.S., European governments, other governments who are who uh, are part of the United Nations hierarchy. Um, and I agree that what the idea is, is that everyone, and, and certainly the World Economic Forum and the World Bank and, and a number of, 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 of big philanthropic foundations and organizations that represent the pharmaceutical companies, have all wanted to have a, a digital ID um, that if everybody has to carry a digital, have a digital ID that has their health information on it, information about what you've done to your body or haven't done to your body or body of your children, um, then uh, you, your, your movements in society can be restricted. Um, and certainly if they hook up the digital ID to your bank accounts, your bank accounts can be um, under the control of, of not just your national government but, the, but by a world government. It really does look as if the United Nations is working toward uh, a, a world government type yeah situation in the World Health Organization and this idea that no country should have sovereignty in terms of their public health laws, but should be under uh, an obligation to obey whatever the World Health Organization officials say needs to be done. Friends, keep in mind, Uh, uh, Senator Johnson, by the way, has just introduced Senate uh, Bill S-444 that would require uh, any uh, convention agreement or other pandemic prevention preparedness and response by the World Health Assembly to be subject to Senate ratification rather than just the signature of a president, S four four four. Go ahead, Barbara. I think it should be the whole Congress. I don't think it should just be the Senate. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think that any any type of treaty that the of this magnitude that affects literally the the bodies of everybody in the country. Uh, certainly should be uh, given congressional approval, not just one body of the of Congress, but the House as well. Yeah, I think it's the Senate who's who's uh, constitutionally has a charge over treaties as far as a two-thirds vote in that regard, so it would be a supermajority in that regard, but, but, but you're right. I mean, this is uh, something that is impacting, you know, every human being in, on, yeah. on the planet, and, and uh, the, the dangerous aspect of this and surrendering our sovereignty should be a great concern to us. Well, it should, and what, would, what it would do is, because in this country... Uh, public health laws are by and large state laws. And that's one of the reasons we have through our MBIC advocacy portal, which we created in 2010, and we have members and we have users in every state. It's free. Uh, we've been able to hold back a COVID vaccine mandate in this country and the COVID and the passport that other countries that didn't have a state system and only had a federal government uh, were not able to do. So if you have a treaty that's, that basically hands over power uh, in terms of public health law to an international body, 
United Nations, the World Health Organization is in the United Nations, uh, then no longer will we be able in the states to have different states have different uh, vaccine requirements. Right now, there's 50 states, and there are different requirements for vaccination to attend school or to participate in society. To, you know, it, there's different laws because mm-hmm. we're able to talk to our representatives, and, and, and in many cases, well, certainly in, in 2020, 2021, 2022, by and large, the state legislatures refused to mandate the COVID vaccine. Yeah, yeah. Friends, we're going to open our phone lines here to Crosstalk, our number 800-733-9829. That's 800-733-9829. Our guest today, Barbara Lowe Fisher from the National Vaccine Information Center. Again, their websites, you can write them down, nvic.org. That's nvic.org. And also nvicadvocacy.org. Dot org uh, that is also available and uh, keeping abreast of what's happening legislatively in your your state government as well as before the uh, U.S. House and Senate as well. So that's nvic.org, nvicadvocacy.org. Our lines are packed here today on Crosstalk. We'll try to uh, take as many of your calls as we can. Uh, but, Barbara, one other issue, and that is natural immunity. I know there's there's some that are just denying that natural immunity has any impact on this whatsoever. Others are, are saying, no, this 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 has great promise and, and, and uh, great hope. Uh, some just, uh, you know, are downplaying it. Others are finding that it is very effective. Well, it... <laughs> Yes, and in fact, the studies, the more recent studies are showing that naturally acquired immunity, that is when you recover from COVID or indeed from any infection, uh, most infections, you have uh, a robust, longer lasting immunity than you do with a vaccine. vaccine. Mm-hmm. So that I think that as time goes on, you're going to see that more and more people who have recovered from COVID, particularly if they had a fairly good case of it, uh, because there's a lot of asymptomatic cases out there. People who don't have symptoms, children by and large don't have symptoms or have very mild symptoms that look like, like a cold. Um, but, you know, you can get actually a test that will tell you whether you have cell-mediated immunity, a T-cell a, a test. And if you get that test back coming positive, you know that you have, you, you have naturally acquired immunity. Let's go to Denise calling from Somerset, Kentucky. Denise, you're on the air. One of the men that called in said that the Merck company, pharmaceutical company, is buying all the ivermectin factories in India and closing them down. And I was just curious if you had heard anything about that. Okay, thank you. Well, I have not heard that. I know that ivermectin is an award-winning drug that has been used with malaria around the world. It's rather a remarkable drug in that it is low-cost, and it, it, it actually is an antiviral, an antiparasitic, which is known mostly as an antiparasitic, uh, but it also is an antiviral. And particularly for people who have had um, uh, mononucleosis, Epstein-Barr, uh, and every, once you have Epstein-Barr, once you have mono, you never, that Epstein-Barr virus never really leaves your body. It, it stays dormant. And it can be reactivated. And one of the things they found is it was reactivated with about with COVID. So why did ivermectin work for those people? It worked because it was able. It was a, an antiviral that was was particularly the Epstein Barr virus virus was sensitive to, and that was what happened with me. I had a very severe case of mono when I was eighteen. I was hospitalized for it, and I I, I it was reactivated. I had very sky high titers to to uh, Epstein Barr when they tested me after when I, after I had COVID. Well, the ivermectin helped me recover. Thank goodness it helped mm. me recover. And yet it was withheld. So I, I have not heard that Merck has bought up the ivermectin factories, but I can't imagine that they would actually take away ivermectin from people who've got malaria. Yeah. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Barry next in Tennessee. Barry, you're on the air. Yes. Uh, Barbara, do you feel like these uh, shots and that are just a tool that the system is using to control the masses, and it's being also used as a uh, puffer population control, especially the way it's affecting the reproductive um, systems in the, in the human body. Mm. Thank you, Barry. Mm. 
Well, you know, I when I first got in this work 40 years ago, there were there were a lot of people saying, oh, this is population control, and I didn't really buy into it. I, I can tell you that since with this COVID vaccine, it really has opened my eyes to the possibility that there are people at very high levels who um, use this, this pandemic as an opportunity to um, create products which, like this mRNA vaccine, which are not really designed to to uh, help you, but potentially uh, for other reasons. I don't know the answer to that yet. You know, we, I'm and still we, looking at it. We've heard the quotes from Bill Gates, you know, if we do a real good job with vaccinations, we'll be able to save lives and reduce the population. I know, I know, and it's those comments coming from people in very high places that really gives me pause. I do think, though, the other part of his question, there is no question in my mind at this point that the COVID vaccine and the policies, the, 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 the striking fear into everyone's heart, the lockdowns, the uh, forced masking, all of this, this was designed to soften up the population to accept the idea that they needed to be tracked, they needed to be monitored, they needed to have a digital ID. They needed to do what the authorities mm-hmm. told them to do. Yep. I do think it was a con- that this has been used to control the people, yes. Thank you for the call, Barry. We're going to Sandy next in Jefferson, Wisconsin. You're on the air, Sandy. Hi. Um, I have actually three quick questions. I would like to know what you consider the efficacy of the monoclonal antibody infusions, and what about Paxlovid? And number two, do you have a website for the doctors who are specializing in long-haul COVID symptoms? Mm. I know that uh, I know that there are a number of doctors who are trying to develop protocols and have developed protocols. Frontline Doctors is, is, is one organization that, that came up fairly fairly early. Um, so there are there's one in Britain too, and I, the name escapes me right now. But there are doctors out there who are particularly functional medicine doctors and doctors who are more holistic oriented who are trying to help people with long COVID. Mm-hmm. The drugs that have been developed, like Paxlovid and, and some of these others, you know, there's a lot of questions about their efficacy. There are people who say, oh, it helped. And there are other people who say it did nothing. I, I think that the jury's still out on that. And, and that's why I, I really think there needs to be an investigation into the entire pandemic response. Both the drugs that have been put on the market, which are very, very expensive, this vaccine, the mRNA vaccines that have got market share are expensive and uh, are uh, clearly reactive uh, and the origin of COVID. So there's a lot to be learned from what's happened. And yeah. I don't think the people, the people need to keep the pressure up. We have interviewed Dr. Elizabeth Lee, lead from the Truth for Health, uh, truthforhealth.org, on the topic of long-haul COVID. Uh, Barbara also, um, she asked about the efficacy of the monoclonal antibodies. Do we know about that? You know, I, 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 again, that's in a question category. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about that because most of the people who contact MBIC are contacting us about vaccine questions right. and vaccine information. Great. Thank you for the call. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back for our final segment. Our telephone number to Crosstalk is 800-733-9829. That's 800-733-9829. Back in a minute, this is Crosstalk on VCY America. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. The Bible is an amazing document. We can trust it. We have a sure word of prophecy. The Bible says that Babylon, 58 miles south of Baghdad, will become a major center for commerce for the world's merchants. But it will also be the center of world government, a Eurocentric world government. Well, not much has been going on in Babylon for some time now, but did you know there has now been a $2.6 billion contract with South Korea's Daewoo Engineering and Construction to build what is described as the Grand Fall Port. And you know what? It will be completed and in operation in 2024 and fully completed by 2025. Guess what it'll do? Shave off 25 days of shipping oil and goods through the Suez Canal to Europe. This, my friends, many are saying, 
will make Babylon the center of commercial commerce big time for the world. The Bible's coming true. Now, friends, keep in mind that when the CDC makes recommendations like the recommended vaccine schedules, well, there are different bodies that will uh, say, well, this is what we do. It might be school districts, might be government bodies. You need to be aware of what's going on as the COVID shots have now been added to the CDC's recommended vaccine schedule. Barbara Lowe Fisher with us today from the National Vaccine Information Center, their website, nvic.org. Holding the longest has been Chris in West Dallas. Chris, you're on the air. Hi, yeah, um, my comment, a couple of comments. One of them is, uh, you know, about a year prior to this uh, this entire fiasco, uh, George Soros declared that he was going to destroy Donald Trump, his legacy, and all of his success, but he didn't, ex- he didn't go into how he was going to be involved in this. I believe that this thing was deliberately designed to steal an election, for one, scare people. Uh, it's too, you know, it's too too dangerous to vote in person. You can mail in your ballot and steal an election. But I think there's a greater purpose as well. What I see this is this is conditioning people to receive the mark of the beast. Okay. I just believe that, uh, like I said, the enemy, the devil, the one world government, the new world order. The only thing we're missing is the antichrist and the rapture. Mm, so thank God for the the gift of eternal life. Thank God that we're we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We have heaven waiting for us as born again Christians, but. My, my question uh, to the church out here, those who proclaim Christ as Savior, is why would you take something from the government that, you know, instead of trusting God? Mm. Uh, that's, my, that's my biggest— Thank uh, you, Chris. It breaks my heart that mm-hmm. so many Christians have gone and taken this, this poison without praying about it and going, trusting God. Thank you, Chris, for your comments here. Uh, Barbara, there's no doubt about it. The whole matter of, like, a, 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 a vaccine passport or a vaccine identification system— that's all been part of the plan in this, has it not? I, I, absolutely. And, and they're, they're actually not shy about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this, the, the tracking systems, the vaccine tracking systems, have been in the works for more than 20 years. And I remember in 1998 uh, testifying in, in a, a committee against the vaccine tracking systems that did not require informed consent. In other words, that if you want to be in the tracking system, that's your... That's your business, but don't yeah. force people in without give them allowing them informed consent. And as you know, my organization is about defending the right to informed consent to medical risk-taking and, by extension, also uh, the right to, to not be tracked and forced to put in your body what you don't want to be put yeah. in your body or the body of your child. Maxine is calling from Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin. You're on the air, Maxine. Yes, hi. I had a question about shedding, if she still feels that that's a problem. You mean the shedding of the mRNA spike protein? Correct. Uh Uh-huh. Well, we know, you know, again, like we were talking about earlier, there are a lot of questions about this. There's people who think that there is shedding that occurs, people who think there isn't. Uh, I think that it all goes back to the lack of long-term study on this vaccine. We don't really understand the full magnitude of the harm that can be caused by this vaccine. We already know that the vaccine does not reliably prevent infection and transmission. What else it does? Is there shedding involved? It's just an open question. Thank you for the call. We have Seth next in Mindoro. You're on the air, Seth. Hi, I was wondering if she knew anything or if this was even true that um, some vaccines are apparently say it's not safe, but didn't do anything and some were deadly. <laughs> well, here's the answer to that question. Uh, because everyone is an individual, because we all come to the doctor's office with different genes, different epigenetics, different microbiomes. Uh, different medical histories, uh, we uh, don't all respond the same way to prescription drugs or to vaccines. That's one thing that has to be considered. The other is what kind of vaccine are you getting? Uh, there are different kinds of vaccines. There are live virus vaccines. There are inactivated vaccines. They're made differently. They have different ingredients. So when, when you have a vaccine reaction, it's a host vaccine interaction. 
It depends upon the vaccine. It depends upon your own individual biological makeup. And so this is what I've always been very concerned, that there's not enough attention paid to the people who can't get through the process of vaccination without having a bad outcome. Thank you for the call here today. And I'll just point out that the the VAERS, uh, the Adverse Events Reporting System here, indicates that as of uh, February 23rd, I'm sorry, February 17th, 2023, there have been, uh, from the COVID vaccine adverse effect, 34,478 deaths uh, from the shot. Uh, Chris is next in New Mexico. You're on the air. Hi there. Um, we hear a lot about the Moderna and Pfizer re- um, side effects and problems, but the Johnson & Johnson one, which is I now believe is phased out, not much about that. Does she know anything about um the issues with that one. Thank you. Thank you. Well, the, all of the of the uh, COVID vaccines, I don't care which one you're talking about, whether it's the mRNA or the others that are like the adenoviral vector vaccines, they all have side effects that are pretty significant. Uh, the reason I've we've concentrated on the mRNA is because it both Moderna and Pfizer, but particularly Pfizer, buy a, have market share. I mean, all over the world, really. Uh, but certainly in this country. And so most of our information has been concentrated, and most of the controversy has been about the mRNA vaccine. So just the uptake is not that big with the other vaccines. I'm not as conversant about the other vaccines as I am about the mRNA one. Thank you. I'm going to try and squeeze in one last call from Austin. Barbara, we got about 20 seconds for your question. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I had COVID-19 twice, and I buckled down, and I got two of the shots, and then I started listening to your show on here, and how bad it was on you. And are you saying that everybody gets the shots are going to die or get really sick? No, I'm not. Um, Again, as I said to the the caller just before you, um, we're all individuals. Some of us are able to get through the process of vaccination, and even with this vaccination, without any apparent harm done. With this vaccine, though, because it was only tested for nine months, because we have not had the proper follow-up, we don't really understand what the long-term potential effects are. If you did not have a reaction and you're not having any health problems, you may not ever have any health problems. But there are a significant number of people who are having health problems after these vaccines. Thank you for your call. We are out of time. Barbara Lowe Fisher with us here today. The National Vaccine Information Center, again, nvic.org. And uh, to keep abreast of legislation, nvicadvocacy.org. Barbara, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And uh, friends, uh, you can get more information, stay abreast of developing information uh, through their website as well. God bless you folks. Thanks for joining us today on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from CrosstalkAmerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.